Hey there, and welcome to the Dynamics Hot Dish Podcast, serving up stories and knowledge on Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform. This is what's hot in Dynamics. You're now joining Merlin Schweiger, Liz McGlennon, and Ashley Steiner. Welcome, everyone, to another one of our field service podcasts. Really excited today to have JB join us. Um, for people who don't know, that's John Bollinger, a solution architect with Hitachi. Um, John, introduce yourself. We'd love to hear more about you. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is John Bollinger. I do go by JB. Um, I've been in Dynamics for about five years. I came to that from uh, running a startup liquor company and ran that straight into the ground, is uh, usually what I like to say. Um, and uh, prior to doing that, I had actually been working in, uh, a data, in data centers with Liz. And so, Ashley, even though you two never met, we worked I was with the same say, company. <laughs> different states of the same yeah. company. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I could I throw a rock and hit Liz, so. <laughs> right. Um, and then uh, within Dynamics, uh, my entire time has been spent uh, in field service. Uh, started with the, the field one stuff uh, and then really just ran with that my entire consulting career has been in that space i have never been on a um salesforce automation project ever that you know they, they those are ancillary to what we do in in field service that's a vestigial organ um <laughs> uh really so it is crazy to me that you've never deployed like kind of core crm so i know you said you've never done sales but you've never done like marketing or service either have you I've done service okay. um, because a lot of uh, the feeder for field service ends up being uh, the services channel um, and um, field service in general, you know, just getting into best practices already, jumping ahead on the agenda. Um, field service is kind of almost a middleware between your Salesforce automation, your services, and then your ERP. It's this last stop. Um, so, you know, upstream where you have your marketing, where you have your sales, that's generating the data that we need to go out and do work um, at sites using field services. I should say I've also done project services a little, uh, spent uh, nine, 12 months on those projects as well. And um, always on the consulting side, I've never been in industry. You know, what I said about never deploying uh, Salesforce automation, I should really say, uh, Every project I've been on has Salesforce automation involved at some level because that is just core to what Dynamics is, CE is, right? Um, you always need contacts. You always need accounts. Um, yeah, but it, it's it's a different experience overall. Um, and that's if you don't mind just going forward into the agenda here, what's best practices for displaying field service in general? The first thing I like to say, the the mindset shift you need going into field services is you need to stop thinking that sales solves all problems. Um, you need to think that sales causes all problems. Um, because and, 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 I'm and, curious I, to know more about this. I, I see, I, I see, I see the, 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 the partner at the firm going, no, what do you mean sales? Well, uh, when you sell something, uh, you don't really generate the revenue at that moment. What you've done is you have incurred a debt to your customer where you have promised to go out and do something, right? And that is the problem that your company is actually gonna solve. The real work isn't the sale. The real work is when you 
you know, perform your service or you deliver your product. And that's what we do on the field services side is we deliver the actual product. We actually like solve the problem for the customer. At that point, the customer is going to say, oh, that was fantastic. Here's a large pile of money. Um, and so with field services, we want to we want to maximize profit by reducing transactional costs, right? We want to make sure that we only dispatch people that we need to, that we dispatch the correct number of people. We do all this very, very fast and efficiently so that profits are maximized. Um, so, you know, on the sales side, well, the more we sell, the more we sell, the more cash we have. No, I mean, the cash is what's left after you actually, you know, resolve your costs and we're about controlling costs. So thinking about field services, you almost want to think of it more as an ERP um, front end uh, in that sense. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. And you're not wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. <laughs> I'll take not wrong. Uh, that's, that's not the worst thing someone has said about me. <laughs> Do you like that you said that it's more of like a front end to your ERP? Because that's what I've seen as well, right? The demos that I've seen. I've always looked at it and said, well, that's what my ERP system already does. So where do you kind of see fitting field service into a company where their ERP system already does some of that stuff, maybe not well, <laughs> yeah. um, and then bridging the gap then between like a dynamic CE? Yeah. And I should say most of what I do uh, for field service ends up being on the enterprise side. Uh, so, you know, I come into very large organizations that are usually doing some element of field service spread across ERP or spreadsheets or what have you and getting it centralized. Um, so, you know, if you're a, par uh, a partner looking to do this, if you are, uh, you know, any customer looking to implement field services, when you are starting out, the thing you want to look at is always, what do I want to report on and how is this going to flow into my ERP and work backwards from there. So, you know, on the, again, think about if you're just implementing a sales system, and I say just, um, but if you're implementing uh, just the sales side, uh, you can kind of make up price lists on the fly, right? Um, you can um, make up a contract pricing, um, send that over to the customer, get it signed, and then that'll send over to the ERP where, you know, all that gets resolved. Um, you know, someone from legal is going to sit down, um, someone uh, is going to enter this manually into the ERP. We don't have that luxury uh, for field service because this is going to be someone who's going to be on, you know, six to 12 calls per day, and they might be selling things, uh, you know, off their truck to the customer directly. They can't uh, manage to pick the price list. And if we're doing, you know, if we have 50 technicians doing 10 transactions a day, no one's going to be able to manually do this on the back end. So you have to make sure that the price lists are going to be aligned. So when you sell something, when you do that invoicing in the field, it's going to match what's in the ERP. And that data is going to flow right through. Um, so always starting from the ERP side, knowing what is going to be accepted down there, far more important than what's going to be coming from upstream on the sales side. Um, you know, which isn't to say like the ideal isn't that it's going to flow through, right? Because you want a true integrated process where your marketing leads eventually turn into sales accounts, which then get uh, services at your service desk and maybe have to be dispatched to your field service and then you send out a bill from your ERP. That's the glorious vision. That's really hard to do. So step one is definitely connecting not from your sales side, not from your services side, but from your ERP, from your actual billing end. 
Um, and as far as reporting goes, um, I, you know, I, I've, I've done this a lot where I sit down, at, especially with oil execs, and I say, okay, what do you want to report on? And they say everything. I want uh, my technicians to know at the moment that they do something, uh, I want to know, you know, five-minute increments uh, as they work on it. And uh, what I always say is, well, you want your employees to lie to you is really what you just said there, because they're all going to enter this after the fact, because um, as they're driving around in, you know, the desolation of West Texas, they're not going to be entering this as they drive. And if they're on the oil rig, you know, they're going to be covered in oil, like literally in like money, and they're not going to want to touch their $900 smartphone. Um, so they're going to enter this uh, along after the fact. So getting people to come up with realistic things that they want to report on um, is just massive for that. And I, I know this is always a struggle because execs always say, I want to know everything. You can't. They're, they're, you can't be omniscient. It'd be fantastic if you could. It would be pretty handy. Hmm. I feel like that's it's not necessarily unique to field service, but it's a, it's a good point to consider like when you're asking about what you want to report on, you have to be realistic about both the data that you can get and also how often you can get that data. Exactly. And the, the problem we face in field service far more than with the sales services or, or marketing side is um, people are physically at, at a place where it's usually not mm -hmm. pleasant to work with data. Um, you're on your mobile, you're maybe in someone's home. Um, yeah, I just had a, a drywall contractor come out to do an estimate. Well, he was standing just in my living room for five minutes, you know, pecking away at his device. He wasn't using Dynamics, right? And if he was, I didn't implement it. Um, you know, try, trying to get a quote out to me. Um, it, you know, it's hard to do. It's an awkward, unpleasant interaction. And you have to, to minimize that um, is really what we're looking at. Um, as far as other best practices, I, data people. Um, the, the, when I get onto a project first, the first person I go to is not the project manager, it's the data person. Because uh, with field services, um, with project service as well, um, way more than sales or service, um, the configuration is defined in data. Um, so that is config files that need to be moved from dev environments to QA to testing to you know, you know, staging and prod. Um, that's hard to do. Um, just maintaining some transactional data, some uh, testing data like this, um, and then getting data to go from one system to the next. You know, again, thinking in field service, we're always going to integrate with ERPs. You need great data people. And you know, fortunately, I've you know, mostly had great data people experiences working with fantastic partners, but that's uh, <laughs> way up there. And I know it's not unique to, to field services, but if you have the best uh, data person on the sales team, I'm going to steal them. I'm going to steal them. All right. What other so, kind of tips and tricks or like gotchas have you run into on your projects? Um, I'd say going back to requests that people have very commonly that I can't help them with, um, that, that you wouldn't know. People want field services to make their employees good. That's not what field services is for. Field service is about, again, optimizing your costs, you know, make it cheaper. 
Um, but field service can't prevent time card theft, and it can't uh, help you if you're trying to stop your employees from selling items off the truck to their buddy gym, right? If you're you know worried about inventory management systems, field service does do some limited inventory stuff that's better suited for ERPs. Um, but I, I sat down again with execs who are like, you know, we have a bad problem where people are entering time into their time card where they're not really working. And I nod. And what what, what do you expect to, to have uh, happen here? Um, because, you know, again, we're trying to optimize the time. We want to make sure that people are going from point A to point B um, and that they're filling out their paperwork. But I can't stop your employees from stealing from you. Uh, if they want to steal, they're going to. Um, so again, just thinking in terms of this is this is a service about um, uh, getting people places with the right stuff um, and doing the right thing. It's not about uh, magically making your employees into law-abiding citizens. Uh, that'd be uh, the uh, the first one I would say there. Um, and then the tips and tricks, gotchas to to work out for them. Um, when you start a company. Uh, or you start any organization, the first thing that you implement is your ERP because you need a place to keep track of your cash transactions. And then if you start a second piece of software, it's usually your your sales CRM. And ne'er the twain shall meet, right? Um, and they, they, they grow up independently. And at some point you replace your ERP, um, you know, start with QuickBooks and it becomes, you know, something like FNO, right? And you, you become an adult organization. Um, and then your uh, your CRM grows up organically, and it becomes highly customized. And you start, you know, doing some really, you know, fun things with the interface. New features are released, and all of a sudden we have these neat editable grids, and we're just going to throw that in. And um, when you Im implement your field service, um, don't be cute with the interface. Don't be. Don't be. Don't try to be. Um, don't try to chase the latest trend or anything like that, um, and don't try to get around what the what the software wants you to do. I've come into organizations that have implemented field services, and they have, uh, for instance, left off uh, the booking entity from work orders. They said, well, you know, everyone always solves their dispatches on the first dispatch. Um, there's only ever one technician. We're just going to do work orders, and that lasted until they turned it on. Um, and discovered that, oh, you know, quite often we send out uh, a technician and his apprentice. Um, or, you know, often jobs will go into two days. Well, how do we track this across two days? Uh, they just usually work it out. <laughs> you know, this is not uh, something you can do, um, you know, if you're trying to actually keep track of your data. Um, so working with the software um, in advance, going to trainings, uh, you know, a lot of partners offer trainings. Microsoft has some fantastic training for how the software wants to work. Um, that's going to go a long way. Um, we all know that rework is more expensive than doing it right the first time. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely do the education end. Um, won't plug for specific partners here, but uh, we all we all know that certain ones offer great training. So. so you're saying that you shouldn't learn field services by trial and error. <laughs> you should not learn field services by trial and error. Um, unless you really want to hire me, um, you can find my rates from uh, Hitachi right now. <laughs> I think that you touched on something really important there um, that I've been hearing kind of as a theme is, you know, field services set up in a certain way to mm -hmm. be used. It's not, you know, 
dynamics is, you know, customizable. That's what people love about it. Um, and not to say that field service is not, but there is a very strategic way to use the tool. It sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, I would I'd say the closest on the sales size would be the opportunity entity, which is, you know, fairly rigid with how it wants you to, to work with things. Um, but field service, when you install it, that's about as many entities in just field service as there is in the, the rest of CE. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, is, it is a huge package and the number of plugins that you're going to get, the number of flows, it's exponentially greater, um, which isn't to say it's not customizable. It, it truly is. You can do all the fun stuff that you're used to doing um, in sales, in field service, but if you're not um, working with the plugins, if you're not working with those flows, you're going to have a bad time, right? You're going to create two problems rather than solving one. Um, it, I, I won't uh, say very much about project service because it's not my area of expertise, but it's much, much worse on their side where you have to obey the, the strictures of project service. So if you're looking into either of those, definitely um, look before you leap whenever you make changes to like default values on forms, uh, for instance. Um, that can cause problems. Um, writing a flow that will change a value, well, maybe there's a reason it's supposed to be changed manually. Let's let's follow that through. Um, yeah, stuff like that. One of the things you said that I find, oh, sorry, John, go ahead. No, please, please, please. I was gonna say, one of the things that you said that I found really interesting is like, don't make field service cute. Um, and where like a sales, you know, for like, I've always worked with the sales, I've worked with service and marketing as well. But one of the things they're always trying to do is make it more attractive to salespeople to get them to want to use it. Um, but it sounds like the difference with field services, it's absolutely necessary. You don't have to like bribe people in with like some cool little charts or custom controls. Yeah. And we, you know, we do use the, the charts and custom controls, right? Uh, but, you know, user adoption is if you don't open up this device, you don't get your, your tasks for the day and you don't bill. That is it. It's not a question of, can you export this to a spreadsheet? It's just not going to be available to you. And again, you're deploying out to 50 to 500 people. Um, yeah, gosh, I don't really worry about user adoption. I worry about user training. Um, um, you know, I, I know Merlin is uh, on his current big push to get everything agile forever. Um, at some point, you do have to stop with the agile, though. Um, you know, you're designing a mobile app, you're designing a portal, you're designing an, a web interface you're gonna to have to train all of those people. Um, and it's hard to do field services uh, in a gradual rollout. It's a, quite often a big bang. Um, it, you know, so worry less about user adoption and more worry more about user training. I think that makes sense. So I couldn't wait for Merlin's reaction to that since Merlin loves Agile. And you can still develop it in an Agile fashion, JB. You just oh, deploy we, it in a big bang. I, in the five years I've worked with Dynamics with Field Service, I have, I think, once worked a waterfall project. Everything else is Agile. Right. Um, mostly because I've had to train customers along the way. You know, So they ask for a feature and it's like, okay, we're not going to do it. Um, or we're going to do it a different way because you know, by the time we go live a year from now, um, you're, you're going to really regret it if we try to do it that way. So three-week sprints, I'm sold. <laughs> Great. 
Um, out of curiosity, so you mentioned uh, earlier that you most of your experience is on large enterprise projects. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I'm sort of curious about and I've asked our other guests about is if it's feasible to implement field service for a small organization. So instead of 50 to 500 techs, like, does it make fiscal sense to deploy field service for like 10? I don't answer licensing questions. Uh, <laughs> I'm not asking about licensing. I'm asking about like implementation effort. <laughs> um, you know, I, that's hard. The, the smallest I've deployed, I think was 30 techs. Um, and that's, that's two dispatchers. You know, you, you really like to see one dispatcher for 20 people is, is probably pretty good. Um, I, I would really, I'd like to see the spreadsheet where someone games that out, uh, figuring out, you know, if it'd be better at that point to stick with whatever you're doing, um, and just wait until you get some organic growth, or if this is considered an investment for you, like, you know, what your processes are going to be. And we anticipate that we're going to have 200 texts by the end of the year. Sure. Uh, right. Because at some level, this is capital outlay for your organization mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, say that, you know, in a year, you're going to buy three more buildings, your repair company. Well, why don't we spend the time now while we're a small organization to get the software in place so that when we're a large organization, um, we're ready. But if you think, uh, you know, gosh, we're a 20 or a 30 tech shop, I'd be uncomfortable saying, oh yeah, definitely we can make that work. But again, my scale is usually like the, well, sure. how many hundreds of techs and how many time zones. Right. <laughs> right. No, that's fair. That's curious. Yeah. No. Um, you know, it, and uh, related to both the topics with the agile and with the like, how many techs you want to do. Um, don't boil the ocean with this. Right. You know, figure out what you need to do first. Do the first thing first. Do the second thing second. Um, because if you try to go live with your first edition, it's going to do time cards, inventory, work orders, dispatching. Um, you know, you're, you're going to uh, waste $500,000 and you're not going to have a workable system at the end because you didn't focus it down. But, you know, we all know that to be true uh, from all of our failed implementations, right? <laughs> I learned. Live and learn. Live and learn. John, is there anything else, or sorry, JB, that you haven't <laughs> shared yet today that you want to? Um, I truly believe that um, in the universe of Star Trek, uh, think Enterprise D, field service is going to be the CRM that's left. So, you know, if you're thinking about truly like the Roddenberry future, yeah, they're not going to have a sales system. However, they do need to coordinate people on engineering. So that's why I think field service is very worthwhile. Are you trying to convince us to switch over to specializing in field service? I think more people, <laughs> I think everyone should specialize in field service. It's, you know, it's, you know, after the communist revolution, they're still going to need field service. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up that Star Trek reference. Never watched it. To oh. understand. I know I'm so sorry, JV. I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always like to end with this, like last question is our favorite question. Um, obviously, you know that our um, our podcast is called the Dynamics Hot Dish. 
So it would be a shame if we did not ask you what your favorite hot dish is. And if, do you know what a hot dish is? Do we need to? Oh, no, I, I, okay. I'm from the Minnesota area. I'm, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say shepherd's pie. Uh, uh, with a, I, I'm a vegetarian, so make it with lentils. But yeah, shepherd's pie. Nice. Good choice. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Love mashed potatoes. You know, good, nice, you know, good you know, stratification in there. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. tasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Shiki, for joining us today. Um, we really appreciate having you on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dynamics Hot Dish Podcast. For additional content and previous episodes, check out our website at dynamicshotdish.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dynamics Hot Dish and subscribe to our podcast for notifications. Thanks. See you next time.